0: This time on episode 455 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk the 2022 Disney Plus series I Am Groot, as well as the 2022 Disney Plus Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and weekly Marvel news, including Marvel's refocusing on quality for phases 5 and 6, James Gunn confirming just exactly what those colored suits in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 are a reference to, and how long did Thor really spend with the Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm Anthony Sitko from Capes on the Couch, a show that examines the mental health issues of comic book characters, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other stupendously geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be
1: discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle.
0: I'm Agent Chris.
2: And I'm producer of the show, Director S.P. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen by the one and only Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Saturday, December 10th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Old 97 stage wide. Come and join our live chat as we record over on www.geeks.live. And if
1: you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of Christmas lawn decorations. If you'd like to talk to
2: us about holiday decorations, the pain that it goes through setting them up the safety that is required, and the countermeasures required to stay away from snow and rain, you can catch us on our website at legendsofshield.com.
0: If you have stolen our Christmas lawn decorations, leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. And at least give us a hint on where you put them so we can try to get them back.
1: If you want to talk about how a candy cane is not a man, you can find us on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. If you want to
2: get to us about how you feel about unlighted holiday yard decorations, you can catch us on our Twitter as long as Twitter still exists at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash geek. No
0: matter what happens with anything else, you can always come over to our Discord server at GunnaGeek.com slash Discord and tell Stephen and John Drew that he needs to add some more lights to his house.
2: And Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GetAGeek.com network. What Chris was alluding to is the fact that Stephen has the most lights in his neighborhood and perhaps the entire British Columbia province and is seen from space quite easily.
0: It's really impressive.
2: Everybody should go over there just to see the pictures. I know, I know. And he does this little thing, and I pretty much guaranteed that none of his neighbors listen to this podcast. So, what he does. Is He will see what their color scheme is, and he will program all his LED lights to mimic that, and then he will roll through all his neighbor's house and all of their color schemes. Just roll through, and then he'll hit his, and then he'll roll through all of theirs, like if they're blue and white, or if they're red, yellow, and white, or whatever. He will run through their color scheme on his house using his smart home technologies. They haven't caught on to it yet. But I'm sure at some point in time, they're going to.
1: How do you find the time to string up all that stuff?
2: He starts in late July. Not kidding.
1: Why don't you just leave some of them up if you're going to start in July?
2: He does. Underneath the eaves of his roof, he leaves them up year-round.
1: That's cool. I get on board with that. (laughs) That's right. I was talking to somebody
2: at work this past week who tried the same thing with a pine tree as they grew up because it was getting to the point where it couldn't get to the top of the pine tree. Unfortunately, it didn't work because squirrels and birds got to the lines and ate them up.
1: Oh, squirrels. Indeed.
2: Well, anyway, we have a big holiday episode here, not necessarily because it's close to the holidays, but because it's close to the holidays, we've got a couple of Neat, heartwarming Guardians of the Galaxy series and one shots to talk about today. I'm really looking forward to it. I know Lauren wanted to be here today, but she just couldn't. She just feel well enough to be on the podcast today. We all understand that. But the rest of us, we're going to talk about some heartwarming James Gunn stuff. You guys ready? Yes. I Am Groot premiered on August 10th, 2022 on Disney+. Michelle, who happened to be the creative team behind this?
1: This series was directed and written by Kristen Lepore, who has credits in animation, 10 directing credits starting in 2007, 8 writing credits starting in 2008, a lot of animation shorts, 1 episode of Adventure Time, and I Am Groot.
2: I was really pleased to see her introduced into live action films as well with these shorts. So I'm looking forward to more live
0: action from Kristen going forward. Quote unquote live action because it is Rocket Raccoon and Groot.
2: I was trying to get to the fact that this was real and not animated at all. My head cannon it's real.
0: Okay, it's real.
1: Groot is actually a little person. Yeah. Groot is real like this. And walking around. do There you go. There you go.
2: Yeah, that's my headcanon.
1: All right. On the cast side of things, we
2: know who Groot is. We know who Rocket is. I just wanted to mention the voice of the watch. If you happen to have an Apple device, it's the A word. You always have some AI voice with it. Well, they went with somebody new this time. They didn't choose any of the existing ones. James Gunn himself was the voice of the wristwatch. So I just wanted to point that out before we go for it. Michelle, we had five of these little things. What were they about?
1: Groot's first steps. Baby Groot takes his first steps out of his pot, only to learn you have to walk before you can run. The little guy. It's hard to be the little guy, but when baby Groot accidentally uncovers a civilization of miniature blue aliens, the tables are turned. Groot's pursuits. Baby Groot investigates a spooky noise that's been haunting the quadrant, the massive Ravenger ship that he calls home. Groot takes a bath. Everybody needs some alone time to relax and wash up, but things go quite differently when you're a floral, colossi toddler. Magnum Opus. Groot sets out to paint a family portrait of himself and the Guardians and goes to great lengths to collect art supplies and forge his masterpiece.
2: These were just fun. I've watched them about three or four times now, when they first came out, and then once or twice in between then yesterday before I was preparing for this podcast. Chris, would you say these exude fun?
0: These are just some fun little things. I love the way that you get so much group personality in these. Like from the opening cinematic, it is right on point every step of the way.
1: I loved magnum opus they all were great but the fact that he blew up the ship to get glitter is something i'm going to remember for some time
2: did bob go off in here what is is that the ship fuel rods what are you doing Groot? oh i can't stay mad at you <laughs> it's impossible to stay mad at the Groot. and at the very beginning when he's in the pot plant Whose cabin... He was on the ship because we were overlooking space. Whose cabin was he in? Do you know? Do
1: you have a guess? I thought he was out in the common area. Oh, is that what it was? That's what it looks like to me. Okay.
0: That makes the most sense to me. I hadn't actually thought about where he was.
2: Yeah, I would think he would be in Rocket's cabin just because he was taking care of him the most. But, of course, Peter also... Feels, well, he's like his dad, so I could see him staying with him, but I like the common area thing. Yeah. Good call, Michelle. Good call. And the one where he was, gosh, what's the name? Gulliver's Travels, I think it was, where he's this big, huge giant, right? And you got the little people all around, right? The little guy. And you got, we'll just call him slugs. I don't know what to call him. Do you guys, the alien race that he's there, you guys have a name for it? I'm just going to call him slugs if you don't. That's fine. Okay, so the slugs, they were incredibly resourceful and developed advanced weaponry at a remarkable, (laughs) I just made up a new word there, remarkable, scary rate. But he eventually, he learns that he can take care of them. He can feed them by his leaves, and he's like, yeah, I can get some more leaves, and then he ends up crushing all of them, and I just... Think this is another reminder in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that with great power comes great responsibility.
1: One did pop up
2: though at the end. It was more than one. It was several, but you're right. They survived. And they were still eating the leaves. So they enjoyed that.
1: But what's interesting is that Groot doesn't know that. So he thinks that he destroyed an entire civilization. I'm wondering if the civilization is going to come back
2: and like a system in the future. Like. Oh, it's the great and almighty Groot. He saved us from all annihilation by teaching us how to eat leaves, you know, or something like that. And they will be like the minions or whatever.
1: Or like those little toys from Toy Story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the claw.
0: That's the kind of plot thread I really love seeing in all these Marvel movies.
2: So, Chris, as we were watching Groot's pursuit, his adversary in that one, it just reminded me of you. You would be the guy in Groot's pursuit.
0: What? You think that I would just sneak up on Groot all over the place and then challenge him to a dance-off? Absolutely. You would Yeah, do I probably that. would. Yeah. <laughs> I would also be the one dumb enough to stand next to the door to outer space and get sucked out.
2: <laughs> so cute. Don't try to outdance a galactic dance-off champion. Matter of fact, this might have been where he got his, I don't know exactly when these take place, but this might have been where he got his moves before Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because he was dancing at the beginning, right? Yes. Yeah, this might be where he got his moods for that. And then talking about his moves, Groot takes a bath is the fourth one and final one that we haven't talked about. And he's getting this whole spa treatment, right? So I, I'm just envisioning Tim Gunn around him, going, "Okay, this is this is the shape of your suit, and let's try, you know, going through the dressing rooms, and we'll we'll try a different look for you and stuff like that." I just imagine the Tim Gunn experience right there. Make it work. And he gets in the spa. He gets in the the bubble bath or whatever where all the special mud is at the beginning, and he's just sitting there. And he's relaxing. He's got the cucumbers over his eyes, or whatever. He's like, "Yes, this is it. I am Groot." It was so fun. And they grow in slices. That's just so cool. It Was cool. And uh, up to the point where he was being laughed at. So he's like, "Okay, if you're gonna laugh at me, I'm gonna take your fur. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it around my neck."
1: I like that. Sometimes you don't need to show the fight. Sometimes you just need to show. What sparks it, and then the result of him just walking away with that little fur collar thing, little scarf.
2: And this is literally the Guardians going from planet to planet to planet, and him just staying with the ship and then going, you know, venturing right out of the ship, not too far. And his adventures there, where the rest of the team is out doing whatever they're doing, right? Exactly. All right.
0: I do want to specifically call out the opening because for all of these. Shorts and stuff, every series that comes out, you get a new rendition of the Marvel cinematic opening with different scenes in, swapping characters in and out if they've been there for a while. We already talked about Chadwick Boseman being the entire opening on Wakanda Forever. And so that takes a lot of work to put that kind of thing together. And for these six-minute shorts, yes, you're going to use it five times, but- How do you make it so you're not doing like 30 times the work on the opening that you're doing for the short itself? You take a short that already exists, Groot's a small child, they fast forward through the intro. It just works out perfectly. I think
2: the timing for all of these, when you get to the final credits, and that's including the opening you were just talking about, was like three minutes, 30 seconds. So they were longer because he had all the credits at the end. But I think the longest one was like three minutes, 30 seconds.
1: I just wish Disney plus did a next episode thing. That would have been great.
2: Yeah. Even though these were put in some sort of order, if you searched online or whatever, they were really one shots. Each one was individual. I mean, Groot's first step is kind of obviously first because that's when he starts walking around. And then the last one, I think, is the big team up with Rocket and two people just showing up together in this case is probably defined as a team up. We'll talk about that later.
0: It really reminded me of 90s cartoons where you'd have that first episode that if you know what's going on with everything, you know that that's the first episode, but you can watch it whenever and be relatively fine.
2: All right. It's fun. I would recommend Take giving it a watch if you haven't yet, and it's really, really fast. There's five of them, like I said, three minutes, thirty seconds apiece, so you can knock them out twenty minutes or less, really when it comes down to it and it's it's just really fun, so thank you very much for gun for putting this together. I think there were some things in here that he wanted to point out, as with the holiday special, which we'll talk in a second that he wasn't he knew he wasn't gonna have a chance to talk about in the future, and one of the things was Groot growing up and these shorts really take Groot through his growing up which we're we're just not going to get we just don't have time to go through that so we got that here and then with Gunn leaving for DC I and with the stated impact of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 I think this team is done the characters might still be around but the team is done so I don't know who's going to be around In the end, I don't know who we're going to lose. I don't know who's going to still be together at the end. It's just enjoy it while we got it sort of thing. And I I think it's all going to be done when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is out next year. All right, talking about another thing is the wonderful Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which premiered on Disney Plus November 25th, 2022. And Chris, who was the creative team behind this one?
0: Well, this one was directed and written by James Gunn, who has 20 directing credits starting all the way back in 1997, and 38 writing credits starting way back in 1996. Relevant to us, though, mostly you have Guardians of the Galaxy Volumes 1, 2, and 3, The Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, which he directed five episodes of, which I still need to finish now that I say that. And this Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special.
2: End of note, I correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but everything I remember is that James Gunn actually wrote the dialogue for the Guardians of the Galaxy whenever they showed up, including Thor Love and Thunder, Avengers Endgame. He wrote the dialogue for them. So James Gunn has been Guardians of the Galaxy since day one and continues to be their sole creator. I will have to give him that in. Now he's got the entire DC universe at his fingertips. And uh, even though I have my issues with DC universe, I am interested to see how James Gunn takes that forward. I haven't seen the Suicide Squad yet. I've heard it's good. I haven't seen the Peacemaker yet. And it's not because I didn't want to watch it. It's literally because I haven't had time to watch it with everything else going on. We've talked about that at length in previous episodes. And I have heard he has done decent with the universe and I'm looking forward to him having his own entire universe and see how that works. Might work for some people, might not work for other people. It's worked for Kevin Feige. We'll see if it works for James Gunn going forward. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the cast, meaning we're going to talk about one person and we'll talk about the rest of the cast as we go through a holiday special here. But Cosmo the dog finally came through with a voice. It was very cute, and it was done by an actor by the name of Maria Bakalova, and she is actually from Bulgaria. She was born in 1996 and has done some acting in the recent years, and I think she did wonderful coming through with that Russian-style voice that is needed, or Eastern European, we'll just call it, for Cosmo the Dog. Cosmo was beloved. It was cute. I liked him.
1: Yeah, she's great.
2: All right. With that, we're going to go into our normal exclusive Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. synopsis of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. You guys ready to hear this wonderful thing? Sure. All right. Here we go. Retro Marvel Studios special presentation logo. Animated flashback about Christmas and how Yondu is not a fan. You might say he's even a Grinch about it. Ever since buying Nowhere from the Collector, the Guardians have been busy so they haven't had time for Christmas. But the old 97s do have time to rock out to Christmas in every wrong way, which is so right in the end.
1: Mantis has kept the secret that she's Peter's sister, so she wants to give Peter a great present. Drax has the spectacular idea of giving Peter one of Earth's greatest heroes, the one, the only, Kevin Bacon.
0: Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, Mantis and Drax learn that one can earn currency by posing for pictures with tourists. We get an iconic comic reveal with Drax and the GoBots. Their search leads them to a bar, and after having some fun, Mantis uses her ability to get a map to the stars. And some more money. Mantis and Drax
2: break into Kevin's house, quite literally, and he runs away. The police arrive. Bullets tickle Drax. (laughs) I'm going to be. And Mantis puts the police to sleep. Mantis uses her power to get Kevin to buy a lot of Christmas gifts and decorations. On the trip back to nowhere, they learn Kevin is a repugnant actor. So Mantis forces Kevin to act like a hero to save Christmas.
1: The group turns nowhere into a Christmas wonderland. Peter's not happy that they brought him an actual human. After talking with Craglin, Kevin stays and sings for everyone. Presents are exchanged. Rocket gets Bucky's arm from Nebula. Groot gives sculptures like little dioramas, which is, I think, a callback to the Groot episode with the picture, all the glitter. Kevin plays and sings.
0: Peter tells Mantis the ending that Kraglin didn't know, which was that Yondu opening Peter's present and Yondu giving him blasters. Pew, pew, pew. Mantis tells Peter the truth, and Peter is very happy to have a sister. All right. That's what happened
2: in the holiday special. Very different than the Star Wars holiday special. We will not speak of the Star Wars holiday special during the rest of this episode. Michelle, what were your first thoughts?
1: This was the warm, fuzzy blanket I needed right now.
0: This is going to be easily in my top three of I could watch whenever I need to Christmas specials. Since Lauren couldn't
2: make it, I'm going to say what her initial thoughts were. It was hilarious and adorable. Just so much fun, which I completely agree with. All right, we have the holiday special. And we find out that Yandu is Mary Poppins, after all. He gives the present in the end. And he's a buddy with Peter, and they fly off into the distance with fireworks. It's totally Mary Poppins.
0: But he doesn't have a bag of holding.
2: His bag of holding is a ship. (laughs)
1: Okay, fine. Fine, we'll give it to you.
2: (sighs) It was fun. Uh, I was so grateful to have Michael Rooker back as the voice of Yandu. It was a sad reminder and also all of it was done in an animation style. Michelle, how did you like that animation style?
1: I thought it was great. It reminded me of like the late 70s, early 80s style of it was flat, but it was just that particular style to me and I enjoyed it because that's when Peter was a kid. I thought it fit
2: Did you ever watch the Hobbit animated movie? (gasps) That's
1: it. Yes. Yes.
2: I mean, it was more than that, but that's just the one that comes to mind that I still have in my library right outside that door. That is that style of animation.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I knew there were things I seen it in. Also kind of like The Last Unicorn in a way. I don't know if you have seen The Last Unicorn, but kind of like that too. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, That style. The style that was there before I think Chris was born.
0: I was born in 86. You can do your math. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. When I first saw this style, I didn't know if it was going to be like this the entire time or if this was a flashback thing. So I was very happy when it was just a flashback because I figured they knew this was coming. And if they had done this for the whole thing, uh, I don't know if I would have loved it as much. But as a flashback, I think it works really well.
2: Have you, either of you, had a chance to watch any of the Doctor Who reconstructions where they just have the audio and they don't have the video, so they have animation up on the screen instead?
1: I've seen one of them.
2: Yeah. It was kind of like, Chris, you were talking about, you know, that's the time frame of everything. It kind of reminds me of that because the animation that they're doing for the Doctor Who episodes, like in the 60s and the 70s, that they have the audio. Or they had the video to it, but it was just degraded to the point where they couldn't show it. Can just kind of reminiscent of the era. We're going to show you the way the animation was back then, and I think the this is another example of it being done recently and well. I think Gun wanted to go. I've I've seen a lot of stories and tweets, quite honestly, because Jim's Gun is still a prolific tweeter. And he was saying that he wanted to go back to that style of the animation and musical. And I said, we weren't going to talk about star Wars, the the holiday special, but it's directly applicable here. He said he wanted that feel, but he wanted it done right. He didn't want it to be the mess that the star Wars holiday special was. I think he took those items from the star Wars holiday special, made them right. And, made it so right because I mean there's stuff in here that's just blatant guarding this galaxy wrong and it just turns out so well. The songs, for instance, the old 97s, when they first approach Peter and they said, hey, we just got these instruments and we made this song that's entirely about whatever we think that Christmas is and we want to sing it to you and tell us what you think about it. And they go into it. At the very end he cracks a joke. You just got these instruments peter did but that song was so fun i've had it in my head ever since i first saw it. this came out the day after thanksgiving on the 25th of november right and it's just been a joy to re-listen to those songs over and over i've actually played the youtube songs there's two of them played the youtube songs on my main home theater for a couple of times just blasting the sounds throughout the house. How'd you guys like the music? How'd you like the lyrics and everything, Michelle?
1: Oh, the I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here, I think is the best new Christmas song. I will fight you if you don't agree. I just, I'm not saying it's the best Christmas song ever. I'm just saying there are always like new ones, but to me, this one is just like one of the best ones to come along. I laughed. So many times, even though the lyric about how Mrs. Claus works the pole was going to be in there, <laughs> each time I hear it, I laugh, and it's wonderful.
0: How oh, they're so close at the beginning, and then it's like giant galactic telephone of wrongness, and you can see the logic of everything, but it's just so far off.
2: Yeah, it's like, ooh, scary. This is how the aliens would view us around the holidays. Like, yeah, yeah. And they get some stuff right. Like, humans are so messed up. And he's like, yeah, that's not far from the truth. This was fun that Drax, if you rewatch it, because I was like, oh, it's it's Manus. Drax is actually the one who comes up with the idea to kidnap Kevin Bacon. And you could totally see it out of all of them. Yeah, okay, a raccoon. But I think raccoon's too intelligent to do it for real, right? But Drax is like, oh, yes, let's go get Kevin Bacon. This will be so good for Peter. And Mantis is like, yeah, it's great. It's it's because she's searching for the perfect gift. And Drax says it. She's like, yeah. So they go off to Earth to get Kevin Bacon. It's just so funny that it was Drax's idea.
0: Well, it's so logical. You want to get Peter something he loves. He loves Kevin Bacon. You get him Kevin Bacon. What's wrong with that?
1: I got serious Galaxy Quest vibes when Mantis and Drax realized that all he is is an actor and they were just like oh my god how repugnant an actor I usually don't like it when a film or tv comments on the quality of actors but James Gunn wrote it and the actors timed it so well that it made it funny
2: it was pretty funny, them them both retching, because they both have that kind of retching, like, eh, eh, and they just did it so well together and everything, and Kevin just being whitewashed. Okay, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but I have watched or I've read James Gunn saying this. The funny part about having Kevin Bacon in this holiday special is Kevin Bacon himself, the real Kevin Bacon, does not like Christmas, does not like the holidays, yeah, you're like, whoa, but he pulled it off just great, right? So it's his chance to just be with the Guardians of the Galaxies and the team. And just I thought it was fun. I thought he
1: pulled it off great. Really? He doesn't like the holidays?
2: Yeah. I don't remember exactly what video. It was like a behind the scenes video that James Gunn was talking about on on like the, the making of or whatever. And he said, the funny thing is Kevin Bacon doesn't like Christmas.
1: Wow. That makes me see Kevin Bacon in an entirely different way.
0: But you wouldn't know that. How do you think his family feels knowing that he can go pretend to like Christmas?
2: Well, people go through the motions, even though that they might not like it for the people around them. That's probably what he's done his whole life with his family.
1: Yeah, so that definitely wasn't his house then. Or even if it was his house, that production design team came in. I love the pink Christmas tree.
2: It's like pinkish. It's pretty cool. The decorations and everything was pretty cool, and it was appropriate for LA too because you know you have different decorations in the north than you would in the south. I mean, if there's no chance of snow whatsoever, you can do things to your decorations that you can't do up north, and vice versa. But I think this is proof in the MCU at least that. Kevin Bacon and most celebrities, really, but Kevin Bacon specifically needs a galactic threat proof safe room in his house. You know, he's running all over the house. He never went to a safe room. So he didn't have a safe room. Kevin needs a safe room. All celebrities need a safe room because now that has been done, everybody else would be like, well, I want to kidnap human traffic uh, actor or an important person to get something out of it. Like, hey, we get Kevin Bacon every holiday now, and he brings cool songs to sing and everything. Okay, it's not millions or billions of dollars or power or anything, but it's some kind of cool, right, that you get from human trafficking. So now it's opened up to everybody. You got to protect everybody now. So everybody needs a, a safe room in their house
1: to protect them, uh, themselves against human trafficking. Or they can just get a bunch of GoBots and scare Drax away. <laughs> Chris, do you know the
2: comic background of this the Gobots.
0: i know that Gobots bots exist All right, well, yeah. apparently allegedly i didn't do any
2: research into it but i guess in the comics go bots killed drax's cousin i think that's real so they played it off in here it was it was an acknowledgement that james gunn wanted to have in the book of everything and it was right there and I think I looked in the IMDB credits to see who the Gobot was and I was wishing it was James Gunn himself, but it wasn't if I remember correctly. So that was just funny. They go to this lookalike contest to get her, uh, area outside the Chinese theater. I think it's yes.
1: Man's Chinese theater
2: in Hollywood. It's not man's anymore. It's More. actually sponsored by somebody else. Somebody else bought the naming rights. And I want to say it's TLC, but I, I can't remember exactly. Anyway. It's right outside there. So they're doing the pictures and they fit right in because, well, they're in costume.
1: And that is accurate for those of you who have not been to Hollywood. I used to live there. And yes, people are dressed as characters and celebrities and everything out there. And tourists actually do want pictures and such. It's a thing. I did a
2: double take of the Captain Marvel. Because I was like, that looks a lot like Brie Larson. So that's actually why I was in the IMDb looking up everybody to see if that was indeed Brie Larson. And then I watched it again. It's obviously not Brie Larson. But kudos to the actor that played Captain Marvel in there about how she looked like Captain Marvel. Let's talk about some of the other Easter eggs in this. We actually get to see the map to the stars. Did you guys see the stars that were on the map?
1: Yes, but I didn't write them down. All
2: right. Well, I didn't write them down either. I actually saw a Looper.com article that had them in there. You guys want to talk about them? Sure. All right. First one, Margot Robbie. Oh, Harley Quinn. That's yeah, right. I'd go visit that house. Queen Latifah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And in the article, it said Queen Latifah was, I believe, has no connection to James Gunn, but did work with Kevin Bacon in Beauty Shop. Okay. So I think they're playing a little on the, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon here. Also, John Cena. Oh, that's Peacemaker. That's right. Also. Arnold Schwarzenegger do you know the connection there it's not to James Gunn
1: oh goodness now you're making me think about everything Arnold Schwarzenegger's been in
2: Mm -hmm. it's a connection to Arnold it's not right to Arnold give you that hint Chris guess
0: come on well the first thing that popped in my head based on absolutely nothing was jingle all the way
2: That, yeah, okay, he's also done a holiday special, but it's not that, or it could be that, I don't know, but there is another connection.
1: To Kevin Bacon or to James Gunn? Neither. Well, he used to be governor of California.
2: Well, true, but that's not the connection either. I swear I'm not making this difficult, I just want to give you guys every opportunity to get it on your own, because when I read it, I was like, oh, no, duh. Go ahead. Who's Chris Pratt married to? Okay. And then somebody that I'm really not familiar with because I'm too old, but Mark Paul Gosselaar. You guys know the connection there.
1: Saved by the Bell guy?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But where does that connection go from?
2: Apparently, he worked with Dave Bautista in Heist in 2015.
1: Okay. If they say so.
2: But he is the one... Out of all of them, whose picture is retro to when he was working on Saved by the Bell versus the older self.
1: Ah, okay. Well, that's interesting.
2: That makes perfect sense. Yeah, those were the stars along the way. Michelle, you had some things that you wanted to say that were either references to or the hidden eggs.
1: The Bind of Nowhere? That was interesting about how they bought nowhere and were fixing it up in big parts of the community. Not only has Groot grown up, but he's bulked up. Like, that's interesting. Like, did he did he work out with Thor? I'm wondering because when we talked about Thor, Thor was able to like do the Van jam- you know, the bandam move. He got back into his god bod as Korg narrated to us. Now, we have a bulked up Groot. We learn about Mantis and Peter's relationship being brother and sister. And Gamora's not there. So Gamora is off doing her own thing. Chris, did you catch anything?
0: I think I was having too much fun to catch things, honestly, with this one.
2: So on the note of the Guardians of the Galaxy buying nowhere, James Gunn, I think in tweets, said that what they had been doing all along is they're still mercenaries, So they go out and they do things. We see it in Thor Love and Thunder. You know, they're out doing a job basically and they get paid and some of that payment comes back and they're able to buy Nowhere from the collector is what was going on there. I don't know if they're going to have a reference to it in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 if Nowhere is even going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or not but I think that was a thread that he was pulling to get them where they needed to be for the next movie or maybe they will originate there Maybe the the purchase will be there. I don't know, but he did say in tweets there was a lot of stuff that James Gunn came out in explanation of this in tweets. So he's been very prolific in the knowledge of why he was doing certain things, and buying nowhere was one of them. So in case you're wondering how they even afforded it, because well they're superheroes, so how do they get money? Right? They're not getting it from Tony Stark.
1: Now they work for a living.
2: They sure do. I wanted to mention Cosmo. I know I talked about Cosmo before, but Cosmo, (laughs) we've seen Cosmo a couple of times in Guardians of the Galaxy. And this is one of the things that I'm pretty sure James Gunn wanted to give an homage to fans because fans are like, oh, Howard the Duck. We're not going to get Howard the Duck in this. (laughs) I think there's a little bit too much controversy there. Or Cosmo. Well, we actually get Cosmo in here. And Cosmo is the typical dog that wants to be part of the team. Oh, I would like a tasty morsel of food from that snack on your belt.
1: Oh, and she gives that gift to Craglin at the end reminded me of my cat. Here's the thing, when you have an animal that brings you what it has killed, you don't yell at it because it is considered a gift of respect and so when you have a cat and you find a half eaten mouse in your bed, it's because, mommy, look at what I did for you.
0: And Craig Lynn was like, nice. <laughs> Thankfully, our cats just bring us apples and bags of marshmallows.
2: I think everybody's favorite gift, though, was the arm for Rocket. How did she do it? Interestingly enough, somebody asked James Gunn that on Twitter, and he said and responded, she took a trip to Earth and tore it off his body because she was feeling so Christmassy. That is from James
0: Gunn's Twitter account. I need to see that in a short.
1: Or she just went and made a deal with the door of Milaji. You know, here's some money.
2: Yeah, give me an extra arm. You know, I know you've got a spare. <laughs> so Give it to me. I think there would be some respect between Nebula and the door of Milaji. I think there would be yeah all right, so I like that so James Gunn, if you or anybody that knows James Gunn happen to talk to him about this, I like that explanation a lot better. Than like she tore it off Bucky's body. me too. I've seen some fan theories that Sam was the one who pranked Bucky and took it from Bucky and just gave it to nebula. It's like and then he wakes up in the middle of the, or in the morning.
1: Sam! Where is my super arm?
2: Where is my super arm? Yeah. (laughs) That'd be fun. I enjoyed this. This was, I knew it was coming. We talked about it before. I did not know it was coming the day after Thanksgiving. When it came out, we were all, I think all of us watched it that weekend. It was fun. and It's been fun ever since. Just like the, the Halloween special werewolf by night. You guys want to watch every year as the Halloween's the new Halloween special from Marvel. This is pretty cool for a um, holiday special for me. I, I enjoy it. It's just got all of the funness of Guardians of the Galaxy, their full pause, and just the fun, the good music, and it's got a nice, good feeling in the end. And an acknowledgement that in the future, my 6G phone will actually work as long as there's big enough antennas way out there in the middle of nowhere.
1: Hey, you know,
2: good service. Chris, what was your favorite part?
0: I think my favorite part of this whole thing easily was just the childlike not having any idea of how things are actually working from Mantis and Drax. They're just trying to be nice for their friend. and do everything and they're committing international interdimensional war crimes as they do it, but they're trying to be nice. I mean, you've got to give them love for that.
2: So Michelle, you came up with a good game for us.
1: Well, when you have Kevin Bacon, there's the infamous six degrees from Kevin Bacon. And the thing is working professionally with someone who worked with someone who worked with someone, or perhaps you work directly with Kevin Bacon, that would mean your score is one. From what I can think of, here's the thing. I haven't seen everything and I can't remember everything. So from what I recall, I'm four. So I worked on a film called Wolf on Fire. The director, Donald Likovich, worked with, Christopher Nolan, he was an assistant editor and Christopher Nolan worked with Elliot page in inception. And then Elliot page is in super with Kevin Bacon. So I think I'm at least four. I don't know if I'm less than four, but I'm definitely four. What about you two?
0: You have to go before me because I might win.
2: Oh, I'm definitely two and I'm two because and I was thinking about this because I know some actors and and I know some of the creative team, like directors and, and writers in Hollywood. However, none that, to my knowledge, like Michelle, have worked directly with Kevin Bacon. So I'm like, SP, how did you come up with two? Apollo 13. I knew the crew of the Vomit Comet. So the pilots of the Vomit Comet had to have known Kevin Bacon. Because they were flying Kevin Bacon.
0: Well, depending on how you want to count professionally, I am either a two or a three. Okay. For three, we have Kevin Bacon being in a movie with Jodie Foster, who, and I forget what movie that is because I'm horrible, but uh, Jodie Foster being in The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys, my wife was an extra in. Hmm. When they filmed it here in Charleston.
2: Was he present on the set?
0: He was not in Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. But I picked Jodie Foster to go through for that because Kaylee was actually like around Jodie Foster.
1: So it's your wife. So have you worked professionally with your wife? She's been on podcasts with me. Okay. I'll
0: call that. And if you're going to count that for her. Then you probably have to count. I've had Cullen Bunn on the show who wrote Sebastian Shaw, who was played by Kevin Bacon. That's my big stretch to get Cullen Bunn wrote for X Men Blue.
1: Well, when Evangeline Lilly got cast as the Wasp, I became two degrees separated from all of that because I worked on a film called Iron Palm with Eugene Kim. So I'm, I have, a, I have a, that's that's one she worked on Lost with Evangeline Lilly. So when Evangeline Lilly got cast in like The Hobbit, so there's all that. And then now Paul, you know, the entire MCU, it's like three, you know, like Paul then Paul Rudd, then Michael Douglas, then all of that. So it's so weird how, here's the thing, people, listeners, my name is spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E and then E-A-L-E-Y. I have no idea who put me on IMDb. I have no idea who actually, no, I have no idea because they have my three major credits. I have three major, you know, look, 20 years ago, that was the dream, but I went to Southern California right before there was that possible strike. So all the work dried up and I had to move into a different profession so I could like eat and have a roof over my head so that my timing was just off and You know, life is life and I'm here now. And so, you know, I don't want to do the what if thing, but I have no clue who put that together because it was one of those things, you know, like years ago, how sometimes you Google yourself and my friends and I, we were just like, hey, let's go Google ourselves. And I Googled myself and I came up with, and the IMDB thing popped up and I'm just like, well, who, who, what Michelle is is that? And I'm like, that is me. (laughs) I, I don't know who did it. I don't know who did it. And I don't know who did all three. I have no clue.
2: Well now I'm gonna have to go watch these.
1: Okay, yeah. I don't think you can find you could you might be able to find Tail Sting out there. That is Snakes on a Plane before Snakes on a Plane. It is Schlocky Good Run. So yeah. Okay. Iron Palm didn't do well. I haven't seen that. Yeah.
2: And then World on world Fire. World on Fire.
1: It? Yeah, independent. I don't know. If that's streaming anywhere. That could,
2: good reviews. Actually. All right. That's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. So so thank you to, Mysteri- to mysterious person who put this on there.
2: All right. I like this game. So everybody else out there, if you're listening to this, and if you can come up with a number of your separation from Kevin Bacon, then I would like to hear it. And mine was completely backdoor. I understand that because I don't have an IMDb credit, but if anybody else has one, that'd be cool. All right. You also had an interesting question, Michelle. I was going to ask it, but I'm going to give you all
1: credit for us because it's an interesting question. If Disney says we can only have one, what would you rather have? Another Halloween special or another Guardian's holiday special?
0: As much as I love this holiday special. I feel like there are only so many Christmassy time of year holiday specials you can make and you have a little bit more freedom to do a Halloween special. So I would rather see Halloween.
2: I feel that there is more core and quite frankly gore in Marvel Comics in the history of all Marvel Comics than there would be holiday. I mean, holiday, you could fit just about any story into a holiday, but I think the Marvel specific stuff probably takes precedent in the Halloween timeframe. So I will go there out of the two. I prefer the holiday specials because, because they feel good and, you know, that's the Hallmark holiday sort of thing. It's just feel good. Right. Which, which I have a good one for you guys after the podcast there, but I think, yeah, I think the Halloween would probably be better. And and that is even including like Iron Man 3 is a holiday movie, I would say, because it takes place around the holidays, or at least there's a bit of the movie in the holidays. So, yeah. Michelle, what do you think?
1: I would like another Halloween special in the style that they did. If they continue with that type of style, I would really enjoy it. And like you said, there's a lot of feel-good holiday stuff, but non-gory horror. There's not a lot of that. And I liked the, the style that they did it in. Well,
2: I'm glad that Disney plus gave us both this year. That was pretty cool. And I think they had to ramp up to it over the course of when Disney plus started, which was about three years ago. And they ramped up to having some Marvel holiday special content this year. So, I mean, you might say Hawkeye was a holiday special last year, right? But it wasn't a special, it was a series that was around the holiday. So, I, yeah, okay. I like it. I'm glad we have it. All right, last thoughts about Gardens of the Galaxy before we get to the movie next year. Chris?
0: I'm so excited for the applications here. Just everything that's just on the table now. Grown-up Groot, Rocket being Rockets. What is going on? And the fact that Mantis and Peter have that sibling relationship now, just how are they going to deal with that?
1: I was happy to see Mantis as the star of this. Drax was more of a, they were in it together, but Mantis was a bit more of the lead I saw than Drax. And giving her time to just be all Mantis. I thought it was great because we're not going to get as much of her in the film. So it was great to see her featured like this.
2: I enjoyed this greatly. The one part that I, and I've had a problem with this ever since Endgame. I don't know if I've said it during the Endgame. I think I did when we were talking about Endgame. This is a Chris Pratt. And Chris Pratt has been. Pretty minimized since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I'm not really loving his screen presence as Star Lord as much as I used to. I'm still enjoying it. I'm just not enjoying it as much as I used to. And I'm hoping that Volume 3 brings that special spark for him back into the role. And I was watching this again and again and again, and I was focusing on his scenes. I know we didn't talk about it, but. I just hope that he's able to bring more of that special sparkle to the screen that he's had in the past. And maybe you guys disagree with me and I'm fine if you do, but I'm looking for more out of him in the role than just kind of a sideline character that comes in and does a couple of scenes sort of thing. So anyway, that was my thinking on the whole thing is just, I wish that Chris Pratt's role would have been a little bit more sparkly. And not he didn't need any more scene- I guess it's just the way he's presenting himself as the character on screen that I'm having a little bit of difficulty meshing up with,
1: yeah, a level of seriousness that doesn't need to be there. I get the whole anger about Gomorrah and missing Gomorrah, but yeah, there was just something. I don't, think, I don't think the phrase phoning it in is right. But there was just something, yeah. I mean, he had a little bit of it at the beginning when he was interacting with the band.
2: But then later on... Like, when he comes in, the one that catches me the most, and it, it was his time to shine, and he was coming in to the, one, the Holiday Wonderland, right? They had created this whole thing for him. And he's missing Gamora, and they know he needs to be... Cheered up. That's the whole reason why Mantis is bringing Kevin Bacon in and whatever. But he sees this whole thing and he does like put his hands to his head and exclaims out and everything. And I get the expression that's coming out of him is wow, this is great and everything. But I'm just looking at him going, I'm not getting the this is so special vibe from that moment. And the rest of it was kind of similar in even like when Kevin runs and he's like, go get Kevin Bacon. It's just like, he's got the weight of the world on him. And this is another thing that he has to worry about is getting Kevin Bacon back to earth. And now he's running off into nowhere. Right. And they got to go find out. He's got to worry about Nebula killing him too. But anyway, it's just, maybe that's, it's where the character is, but I hoped for a little bit more sparkle, especially in a holiday special. But maybe this is telling us everything that's really going on with the character. And he's really trying to play that. And if he is good on him, but it's just hit me a little, little bit wrong. Like I said, I enjoyed the whole thing. I enjoyed Chris Pratt in here. so don't get me wrong on that, but it was just something it, uh, I, that's why I wanted to wait till the last thought is well, not a main thing, but I did enjoy the holiday special in, I wouldn't mind another one. Matter of fact, at the very end, right, they're using Groot as the tree and they're decorating, uh, Drax and and Raccoon are decorating him and everything. And then he just drops his his, uh, arms down. He's like, I'm tired of this. Drops and all the decorations fall off. And like, oh, now Groot ruined Christmas. And then they said, guess we'll have to have another special again. You know, I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I just don't think it's going to happen. All right. Next time, we're also going to talk about Christmas time because we're going to talk about X Men: The Animated Series, season four, episode fifteen through seventeen, as shown on Disney Plus, and one of those episodes has a holiday theme. So we're going to be doing that to close out the year of 2022 on Legends of Shield. In the meantime, we do have some Marvel Studio news to get to. Here we go.
1: All right, so first up, we're going to talk about Marvel looking to focus on quality over quantity for the Marvel Cinematic Universes in phases five and four. According to a Marvel studio source cited by Cosmic Circus, the studio is re-examining its upcoming slate after quote unquote eternal negative feedback over phase four's distribution and quality. The issues addressed behind the scenes allegedly include created difficulties with scripts post-production problems and lackluster visual effects to prevent phase five and six from continuing down a similar path. The report claims Disney could ensure a creative oversight on MCU projects still in the pre-production stage, which in effect could see future projects delayed or outright canceled. Of course, it's worth noting this report has yet to be confirmed through any official Disney or Marvel channels at the time of this writing.
2: This is an interesting report. I don't know if you guys had a chance to read it on the uh, cosmic com, but there was definitely a lot of forethought on what the community has been saying for a few years now. I know the pandemic was in there, but when it comes down to it, I think there was a little too much. And we've talked about it before, a little too much of the content and a little reduction in the actual quality of it. And I would be fine with them reducing the quantity to get more quality out
0: of it. Chris, what do you think? I think quality is the most important thing. And if that means we get one or two or three fewer Marvel movies or series a year, then yeah, you know, give me the things that are worth putting out. Don't put something out just for the sake of putting something out. Plus, with fewer things, I can catch up on everything else I want to watch, because believe it or not, I do like to watch things that aren't Marvel.
2: Yeah, that's a problem that I've been running into. Even Andor. I haven't finished Andor yet. I'm on episode nine of 12. And honestly, I didn't want to watch Andor, but I was bored one night and just put it on the background as I was doing other stuff, got through the first three episodes, like, eh, it's good enough to go for another six. And then after six, I was like, okay, I'll watch this. I still wish it wasn't in the Skywalker saga timeframe, but I'll watch this. And then I'm up to episode nine now. I know the series is completed have been spoiled. I don't know what happens in the last 3 episodes, but it's stuff like that. There's example after example after example that I can give of different things that I want to take time to experience and unfortunately I just haven't had the time to. And I think the quantity of Marvel content coming out has reduced the ability for Kevin Feige to directly influence some of the outcomes. So if you reduce the total number of projects that need to be supervised that are coming out in any one year, then you can move forward. I do have one caveat with all this, and maybe you guys can think of a creative way around it, but we were just introduced during the pandemic to all of the champions for Young Avengers, right? They have clocks on how young they're going to look for a certain extended period of time. and I don't know what... Marvel wants to do with them, but I would guess that they'd want to milk out this whole thing as long as they can and get some money out of it. Maybe even put a ride or an experience in the Disney parks about it. Cause it is the future. I mean, you're, you're speaking to a whole new generation of fans that are growing up with this sort of stuff. So they can envision themselves as Kate, as Hawkeye or as scar as Hulk or whatever. Right. So that's the one caveat I have is you have to excruciatingly plan out what products you want to put out in any given year in order to adequately utilize the resource of actors that you have on hand. So that is the concern I have. If you limit the amount of projects that you can put out, there's a limit to the amount of places to put all these actors and these characters into. And if you've introduced all these characters, now you got to use them. And we have the mutants coming. I know we've had two named mutants out there already, but the big mutants are coming. We're going to have Professor Xavier. We're going to have Wolverine. We're going to have yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're going to have Scott too. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're going to have these characters. So when are they going to come out? How are they going to interact with the characters we already have? If you do become a Marvel Cinematic Universe character. How long is your shelf life? Are you talking about five years? You're talking about 10 years, and the character is done in any storyline that you interface with in the 10 years. You got to get it in then. So it's just this all big game of Tetris. And that's my concern about limiting the amount of products that are out there. But at the same time, I just don't see any way that you can get around it.
1: This reminds me of Marvel Comics. And the reason why a lot of people stop reading them is because there's just so many. I stopped reading Marvel back in late 90s early 2000s because it became all these crossovers and you had to buy all these things and all these little everybody having their solo series which kind of reminds me of having a series on Disney Plus like Gambit had his own solo series outside of the comic and all of these things. And I feel like someone did not go, "Hey, Kevin, with this whole in-game thing, is that going to be the end of the MCU? Like, have we closed this or do we want to continue? I don't think somebody sat down and went, okay, we're closing off book one. How do we want to start book two after we've gotten rid of half of the population and then most of that population comes back? How do we tell these stories? How do we want to handle, you know, the blip stuff? And I think that was a big part because they introduced the Eternals and everyone was like, well, where were you when Thanos came around, which is a legitimate question. I could understand mutants not being there because if they're being hunted and not tolerated and discriminated against, I can understand that they can go that route. Like we didn't fight Thanos because everybody hates us and we were afraid that we were just going to get killed because we're mutants. They can go that way. But with Eternals, they couldn't and again i only remember eternals as like the actor or like the power they had i can't even really remember like the movie that well besides there's this weird thing in the ocean now and the guy looked like galactus but maybe it's not galactus who knows i just feel like phase four was them throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what would stick and that's not what the MCU should be. It's been 20 it's been twenty years, right? 10 years. 18. Oh, gosh. I can't think. Time has no meaning.
2: Well, 2008 until 2022, that's 14 years.
1: Okay, yeah. So, yeah, 10 years. There's a certain level of quality that's expected from the MCU. Yeah. I do think that Wakanda forever was a good ending to it.
0: I don't know how much of it can be solved by hire more people and get more people to be working on stuff. Obviously, it is something that can help, but you know, if you're already separating out, I'm working on this movie. you're working on this movie. you're working on this series over here. You know you can't just infinitely throw people. you've got diminishing returns there. but you're right. When you've got the young kids like that, who I don't want to think about when they were born, they're eventually going to be too old to play high school age people mostly. And like you have, okay, so you have to get champions done because they have to be young. Honestly, I mean, you can just say Eternals, for example, we're going to forget about you and bring you in as side characters if we need to and just be done with it. You can bring other people do the same thing with, but I want the quality. And if that means that you just have some characters that don't get talked about anymore, don't get their own thing, okay, do you want that? I would much rather have the quality stuff, but I also really want champions because then you can sneak Ghost Spider in because there's comic accurate ways to do that. And I think that's part of the problem, is look at all these new characters that are getting introduced, and then you have people like me who see, hey, now you can bring in my other favorite character, and everybody wants who they want. Not realizing that Marvel has something like 37 trillion different characters, and everybody is going to be somebody's favorite, and you can't fit every single character into the MCU. You
2: know, my optimistic hope, and I think this will happen long after I can care about it because I'm old and eventually I won't be here anymore. But I think eventually what will be cool is that this will all be rebooted at some point. And when it's rebooted, if whoever the entity is manages to keep all these character IPs together that they've assembled already, that the start will be so different. It won't be the iconic 2008 Iron Man start. It'll be something completely different. And they'll be able to tell this integrated story in a way that we just didn't get with the MCU, which is great because I think they did great with what they had. But I think there's an even better way to tell all these stories. And somebody else is going to have the opportunity to tell it. And it'll even be better if they're able to Collect all of the IP, including all of the Spider-Man IP from Sony and all of the Universal Studios IP. I think it will be even better if they get all the rights back together underneath one house and they can tell the story that way. As long as they have a future person like Kevin Feige that can come in and start stitching the story together from the get-go, right? It's just going to be an amazing playground for somebody to play around with. It could be somebody that's young that's within the MCU already and they just grow up and they become like a Kathleen Kennedy or a Kevin Feige and they're just able to take over the entire IP in the future. Or it could be somebody that we don't even know yet. But I think 20, 30 years from now when this is all rebooted, it'll be so so fun. So whoever gets to experience that, I'm envious of you because I won't be able to see a new, because we're talking about 14 years. It's got to be rebooted in, let's say it's even in 10 years. And in 10 years, it's going to take another 15 years to get to the point where we're at now. So it's 25 years from now. I can guarantee you in 25 years, I might be interested, but I'm not going to be this engaged, right? If I'm still around. So yeah, lots of good stuff, lots of thoughts about how to go forward here. And of course, Disney as a company is interested in making money. So what is the knee in the curve that makes them the most money as far as how many products get out there and how much money that they make? You know, it's, so that's a factor as well. Chris, we have an interesting question about how long Thor spent with Guardians of the Galaxy, as we talked about in our review of Thor Love and Thunder.
0: The super easy answer to that question is not long enough because we didn't get to see enough of it, but we can get an actual good answer. Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn confirmed how long Thor was with the Guardians after the events of Avengers Endgame. A fan tweeted at Gunn, asking what happened to the Guardians' old ship, the Benatar, and sought clarification on how much time has passed between when we saw the team in Thor Love and Thunder and the events in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Gunn claimed that the Benatar is in the garage and revealed that their new ship, the Bowie, is much larger. He added that the Guardians were only with Thor for a few weeks before embarking on a separate adventure, and claimed a long time had passed since then. So Thor really full of himself, thinking that he is that integral to the team after a few weeks. Which, you know, that tracks it's Thor.
1: I think it's fun that Gun. Interacts with fans and puts information out there that perhaps either they forgot to put in the movie or ended up on the cutting room floor or something like that.
2: Yeah. And talking about something else that James Gunn was interacting with fans about, one of the thoughts came up about, and we talked about it, and we were talking about the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume three was the color of the suits. And actually I got all sorts of backwards on that because I was thinking it was their suits as they were coming off of the ship, whatever ship that was, I don't know if it was the Bowie or whatever, but it was what you guys were referring to, or maybe it was Lauren was referring to was the colored spacesuits as they're drifting off into space. Right. Well, there had been questions as to where were the origins of that? Because James Gunn likes to reference just about everything. And the thought was it was the popular video game among us. Well, according to his tweets back and forth, because Scott Kurtz asked him on Twitter and he said, no, they are actually from 2001, space odyssey. And I remember everything about 2001 space odyssey because it was iconic back in the sixties. And I mean, if you're in, (laughs) if you're used to the action thrillers in space that we have today, it's not that it's more of a, Space opera, like opera, think opera, not like Battlestar Galactica space opera, but I mean like legitimate opera. That's what 2001 A Space Odyssey is. So if you've never seen it before, because I thought everybody had seen it, but then I ran into a lot of people that were like, no, they haven't seen it. So that was what 2001 A Space Odyssey was like, is a legitimate opera in space. And there were colored suits on board the spaceship that they had then. So. That is what the colored suits of Guardians of the Galaxy are referenced to. Now, what they are doing in the suits, nobody has divulged that yet. So we will see amongst Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think that was a neat reveal. And I'm glad I got that going into it because I will probably have a different mindset as we're watching those scenes.
1: I do think the Among Us is a viable, you know, thought.
2: Yeah, it's fair. It's just not where he was referencing. And even, you know, Michelle, you've been a creator as well in the past. What you think as the intent and, and what is portrayed yourself as the creator might not necessarily be what somebody else views it from the outside, too. So I think both are legitimate ways to look at it. But the reason it was put in was for 2001 A Space Odyssey.
1: I think that's cool. And maybe now some people will go out and see... 2001 a space odyssey and we'll have a resurrection of the debate of the space baby at the end
2: (laughs) yeah i am so glad that i read the third book in the series there's a it's actually a four book series by arthur c Clarke. 2001 2010 2067 i believe and then 3001 i've read the last two books and the third one is the one that i'm like yeah that's the i would want to see that even though i loved 2010 i really did and i like 2001 i would love to see 2067 that is a cool one if you've never read it before i'm not going to spoil it for anybody but if you never read it it's literally it's kind of like the expanse on the humanities move forward in 2067 there were a bunch of other news stories for Marvel studios throughout the week that we didn't even go into. There was a special look at Ant-Man at Brazil comic con that was let out there and it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It was, it's, if you're interested in Ant-Man, what's going to happen in that movie. It's an interesting view of the scenes. A lot of the scenes that we've already seen, there is a change of dialogue at one point, which is interesting. So that's pretty cool. You have some note on a uh, few, possible future Disney CEO that might have impact everything, including Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is some daredevil casting information. And then I will put the links to the Christmas songs, which you can get. You don't have to watch the entire Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special to get the songs. They are on YouTube. So I will put those links in there. Lots to see in the show notes, but Chris, we have something we got to do
0: right now. Yeah, I got to go grab my presents because it's about time to start giving them out and I have a feeling you guys are in the same boat.
1: I'd like to thank everyone for watching, downloading, interacting with us. We always appreciate you.
0: This time of year, I think it's especially important to remind people that we just love the fact that you choose to use us as your form of entertainment. And if we could go give all of you a hug or whatever you're comfortable with equivalent, we would.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for listening and downloading. We're looking forward to hearing back from you on what you thought about Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, honestly, we're looking very much forward towards our holiday break here in a couple of weeks and uh, be able to enjoy our family and friends. And we hope you do the same. So until next time, I'm Director SB.
1: I'm Agent Michelle.
0: And I'm Agent Chris.
2: I gotta say that Groot with the Christmas hat on,
1: it's pretty cool, Chris. I
0: love it. I wish I could remember where I found it.
1: Oh, The Pop of Groot and Rocket. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go
0: to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello.
1: Hi. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Okay. Oh, you got baby group.
0: We gotta have baby group Christmas. Oh, it's so cute. Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2023.